0: You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us.
1: Amen. Good morning, South Bay. Good to see everybody here this day, this morning. I do have the uh, privilege this morning of introducing our speaker here today. Uh, I had the opportunity to uh, meet Chester back in it was beginning of 2017, end of 2016, uh, when I was working with Hope as an advocate, and uh, we've had miscellaneous points of contact through the years at different conferences and different task force. And uh, some people have told me that uh, Jackie and I remind them of the Caucasian version of Chester and Kit. Um, Scary. <laughs> there, there are some interesting dynamics that we have in the marriage. Um, Chester is actually, though, the guy I'd like to, when I grow up, I'd like to become like. And I think you'll, you'll have a better idea of that as we move along in the service here this morning. But uh, just to give you a little bit of background, and then we'll get Chester on up here. And that is Chester and his wife Kit there in the front row. Uh, they live in uh, Colorado Springs. They've been disciples for over 35 years and married for 30 of those years. They have two children, Joshua, who is 28, and Alexis, who is 23. And it's really cool, these guys have been around quite a bit. They were part of the original mission team planning to Manila, Philippines, in 1989. They were also the part of at least six more church plannings, including one in the Middle East. We need to talk about that one over lunch. I'm curious as hell that all worked out. Uh, well, they uh, served for almost 25 years in the full-time ministry. They did have a period of time where they went self-supporting, where they uh, were doing real estate, and they had their own restaurant business. And one of the things that I've heard and I've seen in them is just this amazing love for God and God's people. And that's one of the things that are noted for is this deep love and unwavering faith in God and their sacrificial hearts to serve. Uh, Recently, they've served as church leaders for Colorado Springs Christian Church for eight years. They served as regional family chairs of the global missions and regional family chairs, global mission society chair and women's service team for three years and hope board of directors uh, 2020 to present their next calling in this uh, most recent chapter of life, you're going to have to wait to hear him preach. But uh, I was absolutely blown away by the uh, kind of the lane change they decided to make at this point in time in their lives. But with that, I give Chester.
0: <laughs> South
1: Bay. All right.
0: Turn everything on here. Wow! Well, what a great! What a great! Worship uh, area here. Wow, I was really so amazed and um, just uplifted uh, by the worship team. Let's give them one more round of applause. Great, great job, man. I felt like I was in a spiritual concert just uh, hearing the voices. Is this recorded? Was that going on, man? This is this is live. You know, it is great to be here, um, man. I have I have a lot to share uh, today. A lot of my heart today, and. Um, I even asked Steve, I said, Steve, can I go a little bit longer? And he goes, yeah, bro, you can go a little bit longer. But I looked down the sheet, I go, man, it's, it's the same amount of time as they always give, you know? <laughs> but, you know, um, it is great to be here with Steve and Jackie. And, and uh, you know, there, there are a lot of similarities that we have uh, being together. We're looking forward to getting more time with them during lunch. But uh, really admire you in so many different ways, Steve. Uh, your, your conviction, your heart, the way that you lead, your strength. Uh, Jackie, she is like my wife, just a woman, uh, a woman to be reckoned with, I could say, okay? <laughs> Spiritually reckoned with, right? And uh, it was great to see, you know, I I, uh, I zoomed in on your service uh, while we were in sabbatical, and I was looking forward to hearing Steve preach, but it was Red that preached that day, and he did a great job, bro, that day. But, you know, um, I'm going to share a little bit about the Philippines and... and um, and uh, just, just our venture, our journey along the way, uh, different missions. I know that you guys are taking up your special missions contribution as well. Um, and then just kind of where we're going in life. But, uh, you know, every year our, our church in Colorado Springs, and that's where we were leading uh, just recently, we have, we have a theme, right? And our, our theme was called. It was, it, was, it was called called. And it was our, uh, our younger minister that, that, that did that. And I go, wow, that sounds like a great a great calling, a great uh, theme. And I want to talk about calling today. I think, I think calling, more than ever, the world and the nation is going through a lot. You know, we have the political strife, the economic strife. You know, we have uh, the, the pandemic and the isolation that it's caused. And Satan has had a field, a field day just on the lives of so many disciples and people around the world, it is more than ever during these times that God needs light to shine in this dark world. And so whether you're younger, older, physically, or spiritually, being called is a life-changing and life-impacting situation. Chosen and called are very similar, but can also be slightly different. Being called can denote a sense of purpose and service. Being chosen is already special, but having a calling feels and empowers one's heart. You know, I remember, you know, growing up, a lot of us growing up, we, we are, you know, chosen during these pickup basketball games. You know, I play football, but, you know, I play basketball. And if you're like me, I wasn't always that first person that was chosen. I'd be at the very end of the line, and they're like, all right, why don't you get on our team over here, right? Yeah. But, you know, when... um. Let's click here, boom, boom, no, yeah. it's on, okay, ah, oh, there she goes, okay, go, run, run, don't trip, don't fall, there you go, the dream team of 1992, right, they were chosen, they went beyond themselves. But individually, each one was called to represent the United States. It wasn't about the money and the endorsements. And what was special about this first, this is the very first time that a a professional paid team was allowed to represent their country. Larry Bird was 35 years old at the time on the roster. But by this time, he had back injuries. uh, They had taken its toll. And his career was on its last leg. And Larry knew it. He was well aware of that. And his basketball career was ending But he quotes and he says here that this was an incredible honor of representing his country. Being chosen, people of God, is special. Being called is chosen with a sense of purpose. Let's open up our Bibles of Mark chapter 1. And we got to go kind of quickly here so we can get to as much as we can. I have three points today, but I'll probably just get through one. So let's see how that goes. In Mark chapter 1, and let's read together. It's good to open up our Bibles and read together, right? After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me," Jesus said, "and I will make you fishers of men." At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw his, saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their net, their father Zebedee, in the boat with the hired men, and followed him. Without delay, he called them. You know, when Jesus came to the earth, he called his disciples. But little did they know the depth and the challenges of this calling. You can see the enthusiasm that they had of of leaving their nets and following them right away. But Jesus didn't just call them to be great scholars or teachers, to be consistent synagogue attendees, to give their tithes every week, but he called them to an incredible purpose of ushering his kingdom, making disciples of all nations, and eventually to die for him. Without delay, Jesus called them. The title of my lesson today is called by God. Called by God. You know, this call by God, you've got to really think, what what is the the most important part of this title here? It's really not so much called, but by God. You know, we're either called by God or we're called by men. It says, for if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. I know what's going on. There's a delay in this thing, right? Hold on a second here. Okay, it's not showing up on the screen up here. Okay. Hold on a second, guys. All right. Well, we'll just keep going. It says, for if they're, I'm sorry? Oh, the clicker's not working. Okay, uh, next screen, please. For the purpose or activities of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You know, we need to, to ask ourselves, are we called by God or are we called by men? You know, the first point is called to die. In April, we celebrated Easter. You know, and the, the Greek word, when Jesus was on the cross, it is finished to tell us die. It means paid in full. Go ahead. There you go. Paid in full. And Jesus paid the price so that we could have salvation. Do you remember that initial calling from God? When you were called into God's kingdom. Do you remember what that was like? Do you remember who God used? God uses people, circumstances, the Holy Spirit, and his gospel to call us. Do you remember where you were at when you were called by God? You know, to be a disciple of Christ, when we were called, we were called to die of our sins. I remember growing up in San Diego. That's where I was, I was converted. I was... I was going to a religious college. It was the University of San Diego. It was actually a a, a, a Catholic university. The bishop lived on the campus, right? But I wasn't spiritual. I hadn't repented. I lacked the biblical understanding and conviction of what a true disciple of Jesus was. I was a churchgoer every Sunday. And I remember seeing my life in the Bible, and I remember being around true disciples for the very first time, the guys that studied the Bible with me. And uh, Randy Cohen and Tom Nettleton, they were, uh, I remember they invited me to the movies. And I went to go see Top Gun. Okay. Not, not this Top Gun that just came out, the original Top Gun. I actually cried you know, watching the, this Top Gun that came out because it brought back so much memories of what it was back in the 1980s, right? And I was watching Top Gun, and, and I remember that one, this, I was a non-Christian, I was invited to this movie. And I was, both brothers were sitting next to me. And I remember that one scene when Tom Cruise and Kelly McGinnis, they, they were, were going to have that, that sex scene, right, on, on, the, on the movies. And I, th- I was thinking in my, in my heart, wow, this is, this is the best scene coming up. <laughs> and all of a sudden, these two brothers that were sitting to the right and the left of me, they just started putting their heads down. And I looked at and I go, what is going on? This is weird. <laughs> They weren't even watching that part of the movie. Yeah. 35 years later, I'm still talking about what those two brothers did uh, at that very moment. Yeah. Little did they know that I, I was already, I was immoral with my, my girlfriend, that you know, I convinced her. At one point, she got pregnant. And I convinced her to have an abortion. And yet I was religious and going to this religious college. And I remember the, the, the calling and the cost of becoming a disciple. And I fought God during that time. I said, I, I, I didn't know if I really wanted to give up everything for this thing called, called discipleship. I weighed out the cost, and I remember making the decision and surrendered to Jesus Christ. And I said, you know, I'm going to make Jesus Lord. And in February of 1986, I was baptized into Christ. You know, this initial calling is special for all of us. And God calls us, but he calls us also to die die daily. In Luke chapter 9, right, he talks about that. In, In Romans, he talks about being living sacrifices. But I do believe that there are times in our lives, not this, that original calling, that there are times when God will call us once again to die. There are milestones in our life. And if we look back at our lives, each one of us, we could see different milestones where God has called us to lay down our lives to die once again. Sometimes he calls us to die, uh, you know, to our, to our sins, and sometimes he calls us to die to our comforts. You know, calling us to die to our sins. In 2 Chronicles chapter 7, let's turn there. In verse 11. There you go, it's working now. Did I do that, or did you do that? Oh, I did that? Okay. I thought the Holy Spirit did that. In 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 11 through 16, David was already gone. King Solomon was now building the temple. This is where God would now come to be with Israel to hear their prayers. God was more concerned about the hearts of the Israelites more than he was about the building that they were worshiping in. King David and King Solomon were not perfect, and at different times they had drifted from their relationship with God during their kingship. But God knew that his people would stray once again. In 2 Chronicles 7, verse 11, this is what it says. When Solomon had finished the temple of the Lord and the royal palace, and had succeeded in carrying out all that he had in mind to do in the temple of the Lord, and in this palace the Lord appeared to him at night and said, I've heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. When I shut the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. I have chosen and consecrated this temple so that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there. Wow, what a special time. God knew that his people would once again stray away. And so he wanted to have this temple so that he could be there waiting for them to come back to him. But he says, if my people, if it was conditional, if my people who are called by my name will come and pray to me. And he gives them this outline of how to come back to God. He says, first of all, you need to humble yourselves. And then he says, come and pray to me. And then he says, seek my face and then turn from your your wicked ways. And he says, then I will heal their land called by my name they are Yahweh they call him Yahweh but there are other gods around that mesopotamian time there were different gods the fertility god the famine god the pestilence and these different gods that the people were straying and starting to worship once again but God warned them in Deuteronomy 6 not to go to these idols i don't really believe today satan is gripping the church and this world more than ever. Why do I say that? You see it. It's so prevalent today, nowadays. You turn on the TV, and, and it's, it's as if you're watching pornography on just a regular TV. I remember watching I Love Lucy. Remember I Love Lucy? Like they would sit, they would lay in different beds. And they would always be separate. I, like, what? I, don't, I never got that you know, growing up. And, and then I found out they, they always had to have a, a leg touching the ground so that they couldn't be together. Wow. Nowadays, you watch TV, and they're having sex. And you're like, oh, this is kind of normal. You know, I remember when I first got baptized, about six months later, I was working in San Diego for this company. And I was sent to Denver. And um, they gave us a little house that we lived in for like three, three months. And I had gone back and fallen into all the sin that I did right before I became a Christian. But back in in those days, we didn't have internet and all that. I I would make these sex phone calls. And I remember coming back to San Diego with all the disciples and being in a group. And I remember saying, I have a decision to make. Either I get honest with my life, or I'm going to bury this for the rest of my life. I praise God that I got honest with the brothers at that time. You know how embarrassing that was? How, how tempted I was not to say something? And why am I even sharing this in this group here when we're, being called, when we're talking about being called by God? The, the bottom line the truth is, if we are not pure vessels before the Lord, God, God will not use us the way that we need to be used. And I dare say in a group like this, because we're men, because we're humans, there are things in our lives right now that are still in the dark. And we're asking ourselves, should I get open today or not? But the Holy Spirit is moving. The Holy Spirit convicts. The Holy Spirit says, get open now. I praise God. If I didn't get open, the trajectory of my life, what would I be today? And I plead with you, brothers and sisters, if there are things in our lives right now that we know I need to be open with. Take the time this week, and let's get open with our lives. Amen? Amen. But sometimes it's not about just dying to sin. Sometimes it's dying to this world. To align ourselves with God's kingdom as our first priority. Seek first his kingdom, right? Paul says, for me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. You know, for some reason, at baptism, we give up everything. But over time, if you've been around a long time, we start to, to grab things and start bringing it back and start, start claiming these things back in our lives. How many of us have been a disciple 10 years and less? Raise your hand. 10 years and less. Okay, 10 years and less. What about between 10 to 20 years? Raise your hand. Okay. What about 20 to 30 years? Wow, okay, what about thirty to, to Jesus time, okay. okay?? So wow, when I said twenty to thirty, a, a great a majority of the hands went up. So you kind of understand what I'm saying when, when we when we when we get challenged between worldly and kingdom dreams. And I'm not saying I'm not saying not to be ambitious and, and to 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 really make sure yourself is set up for the future, but what I'm saying is, is what is the priorities of our lives? Is what I'm seeking, helping more and more people and myself getting closer to God? Or because of my focus in this world, I'm actually drifting and other people around me are drifting as well. It's not about more money, more retirement, more education, more promotion. I get it. But these will all pass away. You know, in John chapter 12, what a, this, is what a, this is one of my favorite passages of the scriptures in John chapter 12. Let's turn there in verse 20. If you're visiting with us today, you might be saying, Oh my, what is this guy talking about? I I thought we were just going to sing a few songs. He's talking about sin. In John chapter 12, verse 20, this is an intimate moment between God and Jesus Christ. And I really appreciate the fact that, that. that God allowed the Apostle John to record this that we could see this interchange between, between Jesus and, and his Father. Now, there were some Greeks among those who went up to Jerusalem excuse me, to, uh, to worship at the feast. They came to Philip, who was from Bethesda in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to Andrew, Andrew, and, and Philip in turn told Jesus. Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant will also be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Now my heart is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. The crowd that was there had heard it and said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Wow, what a very special time to see Jesus and his Father speaking. But Jesus understood his calling. In verse 27, it says, it is for this very reason I came to this hour. He came to die. His death would draw all men, even though he was going to die. In Isaiah 53, verse 5 to 6, I'll just quote it here. It says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we have been healed. By his wounds, we've been healed. If Jesus never died, where would we be today? But you think about this. The disciples, are there witnessing this happening. I don't think they got it at first. But Jesus was talking about his death. And then he says, any of you that follow me must be as I am. And so didn't he just talk about his death? Like at what point did the disciples put together, wait a second, you're talking about your death and you're saying that you must die so that others may live. And now we're called to follow you. What does that mean for us? Does that mean that something's going to happen to us as well? When they first followed Jesus, they when Jesus says, Come follow me, they were bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Why didn't Jesus tell them right away what's going to happen to their lives? James, John's brother, was beheaded. Andrew was crucified. James, son of Alphaeus, was thrown down from the temple, then stoned, and then his brains were dashed with club. Matthew was slain by the sword. Mark cruelly dragged through the streets. Luke was hanged. Thomas was lanced through his body. Jude shot to death by arrows. Matthias stoned, then beheaded. Peter was crucified upside down. John was the only one that didn't die a martyr's death, although he was thrown into a cauldron of boiling water, but he miraculously lived. If we don't have something worth dying for, then what do we have worth living for? I remember the first major calling after my baptism, after becoming a disciple, to die once again. This time it was to the American dream. My father joined the Navy in the 1950s from the Philippines. He joined the U.S. Navy after World War II, and this made him an American citizen right away, to be able to follow that American dream. So my mom and my dad, they, they moved to the U.S., Uh, late uh, 50s, and that's where I was born, in San Diego, California. And, uh, you know, my mom and dad, they were very happy, you know, just they bought a house, and, you know, just that whole American dream. My dad was a cook in the Navy, and, you know, he worked an extra shift, uh, you know, uh, at at a bar to to, to raise money to to buy that house. And I remember they sent me to school, I went to the University of San Diego, worked at General Dynamics, this company out there, and Chasing this American dream, it was awesome. Okay, and, uh, and then I got baptized right in 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 uh, in, in San Diego, uh, my senior year of college. After that, after a few months, about oh gosh, about a, a year goes by. I remember there was a there was an Asian Christian Jubilee happening in San Francisco. And uh, I thought, well, what am I doing this weekend? I don't know if I want to go to that that Asian Christian Jubilee because I didn't think I was Asian. <laughs> like I went to an all-white high school, an all-white college, and all I dated were white girls. Okay, <laughs> and that's the truth. And um, and I remember going to that Asian Christian Jubilee because I wasn't doing anything that weekend, so I just flew out there, and uh, and in, in that in that time. They separated the guys and the girls, and it was a men's, a men's thing. And it was Scott Green, if some of you guys know Scott. Scott Green was preaching. And he went and he started describing an Asian. He says, and then he said, I want to talk to all the Asian brothers out there. I looked around. He's talking about you guys, right? <laughs> he says, why is your hair black? Why is your skin brown? And he started describing an Asian. And then he paused and he says, it's time to go home. And for the first time, I realized that I'm Asian. Like, 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 like in my in the core of my heart, that 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 I'm Asian. And I remember going back to San Diego, and I and I told the house church group, I said, I'm I'm going to Asian, uh, I'm going back to the Philippines. And they're like, Yeah, right, right, yeah, right. And so the the mission, uh, uh, Kip, and and along with um, President Shepherd, they started going to all these churches, these big churches. Or they had Asians to 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 recruit them. They went to Chicago, to San Francisco, New York, Boston. But nobody was coming to San Diego. We had 1,200 members there, but very few Asians. And so they didn't want to, I guess they didn't want to go off the way to San Diego. And so I got on the phone. I called up, I called up Kip in Boston. I flew out. And he said, let's get on your knees. Let's pray. And he says, welcome to the team. And, and I left. I left at 25 years old. And I remember... Telling my family that I'm leaving. It broke their hearts. Because my dad had passed away when I was seven. And so it was just me, my mom, my grandmother, and two older sisters. And and my mom's like, wait a second. We we brought you here. Why are you going back to the Philippines? And it was it was something I, I just couldn't. I just, how do you say that to, to your mom? How do you say that after all they've done to bring you to this place? They were devastated. My mom, you know, her, her, uh, I remember I had an aunt and she had called her family together, the, the kids, and they said, Something happened to your uncle. And uh, he left everything and he, and he moved to the Philippines. And I'd visit every once in a while coming back, you know, from the Philippines and and visit the the families. Lo and behold, I didn't realize that they were, behind my back, they were calling me crazy Uncle Chester. (laughs) Like something happened to to your uncle, right? But I remember in 89 going out and and going on the original, this is the original mission team to to Manila, Philippines. And some of the Bangkok uh, mission team was there as well. You could see Kip. President Shepard was there. You might recognize some of the faces over here as well. But on the very left, you see there's me and there's Kit. Now, so this is the night that we landed. Uh, The first time, the whole team, we landed in the Philippines. We went to this hotel and we took this picture. And uh, it's amazing that Kit is right next to me. Like, we barely knew each other. Like, we met for, like, five minutes in in Boston, right? But if you look at her hand... Her hand is on my on my shoulders. Her hand is on my. She's saying, "This guy is mine, right?" You know. I really believe God was laughing in heaven. He goes, "Yeah, yeah I got some plans for you guys, right?" So, but what's amazing is in the first in the first year, we saw we saw. With 28 people, we saw um, 400 people baptized into Christ. It's, it, was, it was just flat out a, a God. God was just moving in a very, very powerful way. You know, uh, the second uh, person that was ever converted, there were thousands that were converted, right? The second person that was converted was Tessa, uh, Tessa Mozo. She was Kit's, um, her name is Tessa Vu now. Tessa Vu, Tien and Tessa. But that was Kit's uh, roommate. Um, they were teachers together at the university. But, um, you know, I want to just take a second and really just thank everybody here. You know, sometimes we give to special missions and, and, and we just give and give and give and give through the years, but we, we sometimes forget that it really means people's souls are being saved. Like, my, my mother in law is saved. My my sister-in-law is saved in the Philippines. We have families still in the Philippines that people are given to because of special contribution. I appreciate you guys. I appreciate giving to the Middle East, the different places that you guys have given through the years, Mexico, Central America, the Baltic, Nord, uh, Nordics. Because you're a special contribution, people are saved. Right. Yeah. You'll get to heaven one day, and you'll see people, and you won't even know who they are, yeah. but they're going to thank you for what you've done. During this time, the LA Church has a reputation of giving so generously. Right. You know, just the Dubai mission team—what that was about—is, you know, we we you know Filipinos. I, I say they are like cockroaches, right? Everywhere. Not just that they're everywhere, but but you know they they like you—you you can't kill them, right? They just—they're like matibay. That's uh, what is that in English? Um, uh, you know, they're hard to—they're hard to. To put to death, what, right? <laughs> but I remember, you know, helping the team, we're gonna send about 12 Filipinos to Dubai. And we were at, you know interviewing and all the only question that we really wanted to hear was this. We said, are you willing to die for Jesus Christ? Oh my gosh. Hold on a second. Oh, that's my son. That's Holy Spirit. Oh, that's my 10-minute my mark. I'm sorry. <laughs> are you willing to die for your faith? That was it. And if they're willing to die for their faith, then they're ready to go on this mission team. You know, when you travel to different countries, you have this exchange rate and this conversion rate. For God, he turns our monies into souls. You know, when we were in the Philippines, um, my wife's father was a military figure back in those days. He was murdered, okay? And um, we... Received death threats for about a year uh, in our home. We had a hired security guard. It was about 1995. Okay, and I remember during that time um, we made a decision. We go, gosh, should we leave or stay? And during that time, when we decided to stay, we were asking ourselves, you know, we could die at any time. Like, like we would get these threats. They would tell us what's going on in our house. There's one point where they called and they and we called the, the police and said our is he still in the jail? And the guy says, "He's talking to my wife, ma'am. I'm looking at him right now." And then the guy says, "Just say the word, and it will be done." Like he was, he was ready to kill. the The, the, the police were ready to kill uh, the the murderer right then and there. The kid said, "Don't you dare touch them." And my wife had an opportunity. They kind of in one of the court scenes. They, they kind of ran into into each other. And my wife looked at him and said, "Hey, hey, Mario, I forgive you for all that you've done. I appreciate the fact that my wife was able to forgive." You know, uh, my niece that I was telling you about—this is this is uh, my mother-in-law here. She um, she became a disciple after we stayed. Um, she moved in with us, and she was baptized into Christ and. Um, And then she went on a mission field at 65 years old. And she converted so many people. She converted her daughter's husband and met him, and and he became a Christian as well. But she's in heaven now. She's waiting for us in heaven. But you know, my niece, the the one that was calling me crazy, Uncle Chester, um, she now goes to San Diego, she went to San Diego State in 1994. And she was listening to these two girls talk in, in the library. And during that time, They were talking about this church and she goes wow and and their relationship with Jesus Christ and when she heard them she goes wow this is very interesting and so she found out about where the church was and she ended up going to the church in San Diego. Unbeknownst to her um, she meets this Filipino girl on her first uh, time at church. This girl that she met was a girl that was baptized in our Bible talk back in the Philippines that had moved back to San Diego. Okay, so now they're here together, these two Filipino girls, and they're talking. And she goes, "Yeah, there. You know, we have churches all." The sister says, "We have churches all over the world. We have a church in the Philippines." Da da And she goes, "Oh, I have an uncle that moved to the Philippines." And the sister said, "What's his name?" She goes wouldn't know. He went to this crazy, whatever, this church. He goes, no, what's his name? And she goes, Chester. And then the sister goes, you mogging? She goes, what? (laughs) She gets baptized into Christ, right? Okay. Fast forward, and um, you know, two months ago, my aunt that, that got them together, 85 years old, right? So my niece baptized my, uh, my aunt and my uncle just two months ago. This is 33 years later. Oh, wow. Instead of saying, Uncle Chester is crazy, they say, Jesus is Lord, right? <laughs> I just want to ask you here today, is the kingdom still worth dying for? You know, under this this point, I just want to say, you know, we need to realign our dreams with God's dreams. Okay, I have two more points, but I'm going to say it in five minutes, okay? Five minutes. How much more time do I have, honey? Five minutes, minutes. 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 okay. No grace and mercy mercy here. So call call to grow, okay? In in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9. I love this passage here. It talks about Jesus. And it says here in verse 9, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels. Now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. In bringing many sons to glory, it was fitting that God, from whom and through whom everything exists, should make the author of their salvation perfect through suffering. Both the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers in the presence of the congregation, I will sing your praises. The Bible says here that that Jesus was made perfect. How can something that's perfect be made perfect? It seems a contradiction. It seems like something. What, what does that really even mean that Jesus was made perfect? And the Bible says here that He was made perfect how through suffering. So Jesus was in a perfect state when came here to the earth. But why was he, how was he made more perfect? Well, he was made more perfect because he was, he was tested in a way that he wasn't tested when he was in heaven. He never had people spit on him in heaven or mock him in heaven. He had all the comforts of heaven, so sort to of speak. But when he came down to earth, he was tested in a very different way and was without sin. If Jesus had just committed one sin, just even one thought, one attitude, all of mankind would have been lost. And so he was made perfect through suffering. You know, God is in the the business of making us perfect. Because the more holy we are, right, as it says in Hebrews 12, the more holy we are, we're going to enjoy things more. We're going to experience things more. We're going to have more impact. We're, going to, we're just going to be more like Christ. We're going to be more holy. And so that is God's desire. Whether we want it or not, that is God's desire. He wants to call us to grow. This um, little story here, we've heard it, but it, it's really apropos, and I want to read this here. A man found the cocoon of a butterfly. One day, a small opening appeared. He sat and watched the butterfly for several hours as it struggled to force its body through that little hole. Then it seemed to stop making any progress. It appeared as if it had gotten as far as it could and could go no further. So the man decided to help the butterfly. He took a pair of scissors and snipped off the remaining bit of the cocoon. The butterfly then emerged easily, but it had a swollen body and its small shriveled wings. The man continued to watch the butterfly because he expected that at any moment the wings would enlarge and expand to be able to support the body, which would contract in time. Neither happened. In fact, the butterfly spent the rest of its time crawling around with a swollen body and shriveled wings." It was never able to fly. What the man in his kindness and haste did not understand was that the restricting cocoon and the struggle required for the butterfly to get through the tiny opening were nature's way of forcing fluid from the body into the butterfly's wings so that it would be ready for flight once it achieved its freedom from the cocoon. Sometimes struggles are exactly what we need in life. If you're going through a struggle right now, I want, I want to ask you: Do you see God in the picture? Because if you don't see God in the picture, you could get embittered and walk away. If there's not a joy right now, like like I'm excited to be a disciple, I mean, then then there's already something that's 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 already you know drifting, and you gotta you gotta be aware of what is that that's causing my heart to drift. God wants to bring that out. God wants to make that whole. And God won't stop until we are whole. You know, this past year has been, probably the last few years have been the most challenging years of my life, 35 years as a disciple, right? A lot of us have had challenges. We've had so many deaths in our church, the small church. I mean, very, very close friends. You might have even seen a special that one of the brothers, his two boys just, uh, died, it was on um, Hulu it's called Poison uh, Matt Riviere, his, his two boys died, they were very close, I mentored his two boys, they both died of, of they were uh, experimenting with stuff and, and they died of fentanyl, that was just last year but so many, it, my wife said to me, honey I think we need to take a sabbatical I said honey I, th-, and I was so out of touch I said Babe, may, maybe you could take a sabbatical but I'm fine but as I studied it out, as I looked at it, I said, man, I really need it. And I realized there was so much stuff in my heart from last year. I couldn't even get out of bed. I mean, it was, that, it was that bad. After taking time and really searching my heart and saying, God, and I said, God, what do I need to change? What do I need to grow in? That's one of the scariest prayers to pray. Like, God, change me no matter what. I praise God that I prayed that prayer. And in doing so, God revealed some things in my heart that I was trying to do more on my own than God. And I, I realized that I just need to let God be God. Amen. And God will do the rest. And after understanding that, I, I would say today, is I, I'm probably more excited about Christianity and God more than my whole Christian life. Like This is, this is I feel like, the best I've ever done spiritually. I don't say that with pride. Don't, don't get me wrong. I, I feel like I've been humbled by God. By the grace of God, I'm, I'm speaking here today. My challenge for you to, would be is to invite growth. To invite growth. Say, God, I want to grow no matter what. That is a scary prayer. Because once you pray that, you better get Ready? Because you're opening up your life once again. Okay, this is my last point, and I'm I'm telling you, it's gonna happen in one minute. My wife's like, No, honey, you're never gonna get through this. Okay. Let me let me just go here. This is a great scripture, Second Corinthians. You could write that down. <laughs> Called to go, okay? It just says, Jesus said, Very truly I'll tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh. But the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Everyone that was baptized in Christ has God's Holy Spirit living within you. And that Holy Spirit wants to go. That Holy Spirit wants, wants to experience and explode. When we were baptized in Christ, that Holy Spirit wasn't put into us just to go out and start playing video games all day long. That's not what God wants. And so when I say called to to go, like like to be able to say to God once again, God, I will go and do whatever you want me to do. Not just when I was baptized, but even today. And I'm not saying, when I say go, I'm not saying go to a different country. I'm not saying any of that. But go to where God wants you to go next. To do what God wants you to do next. Next. Not to stay where you're at, but to say, God, what do you want me to do? I will do anything and everything for you, no matter what that is. You know what I'm saying? And to wait for God to answer that question. If it's, you know, a Bible talk leader, be a Bible talk leader, ask a friend to, to, to church, start a new hope project. Confessor said, Whatever that is, go on the mission field, whatever that is, go. When I was a young disciple, the very first responsibility I ever had, it was an amazing responsibility. You know what it was? It was setting up the chairs at Bible Talk. I remember the brother says, Paul Shacone says, Hey, bro, can can you set up the chairs at Bible Talk? So I, I would leave. My work with my suit on and whatever, all that kind of stuff, and I'd go early, half an hour early to to Bible Talk. And I remember setting up all the chairs, and I would sit in each chair to see if that person had a clear vision to the Bible Talk leader. And I remember sitting in the chair and waiting for all the disciples to come in and and sit down. And as they sat down, I would just look at them and say, "Mm mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, they all got a good seat here you know but then god calls you more and more and more to do things and let me tell you every time god calls it hasn't been easy and most of the time it's been scary when god calls i want to challenge this group here those that are between 15 and 29 years of age you know these these are the times to dream you got the energy this needs to be your dream to go for those of us that are 30 to 45 years old, you know, I, this, for this group here, what I want to challenge is sometimes we look at that generation before us, like the older people, like Steve, and, 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 and you hear these, you know, you hear like, oh, yeah, those were the glory days. Let's stop talking about the glory days of the older people. These are your glory days right now. Yeah. It is really up to you to, to ask God's spirit. God, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? I mean, this is your time now. For those of you that are 40 and above, sometimes we think this is time to kind of go in for the landing, especially if you're 50 or 60. It's like, yeah, let's time to. No, no, no. This is the best time of your Christian life. Why? Because we have the resources. We have the knowledge. We have the experience. We have the history. We got God's Holy Spirit within us. It's just time for us to say, God, what do you want me to do now in my life? For my wife and I, honestly, it was like, we're ready to come in for a landing. We're almost 60 years old. And there was a need that came up in in Bangkok, Thailand, to to go and replant this church in Bangkok, Thailand. And I'm like, all right, guys, have a great time. That's That's a great idea. But for some reason, God kind of brought it back to us again. And I'm like, wait a second. Whoa, 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 whoa. You know, money, kids, you know, all the things. I line up everything. But then when I look at the calling in this nation, and this nation that needs to be saved, they went from 350 disciples to 90. They've had, they've had 20 leaders in the last 30 years. That church is going to die. They're overseeing a whole nation of Laos that only has six disciples left. Wow. I could go and I could say, who's going to go? And, and I was actually setting up other people to go. You know, we had a couple that were supposed to go. But God says, no, no, you need to go. And it really challenged our hearts. And so we made that decision to, to, to go back and skip, 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 skip. skip. So this is, this is it right here. This is Thailand. 70 million people. The church... It's Buddhist nation. Only fifteen percent of the church speaks English, so we have to learn Thai. At this age, I'm like, I forget names at this age. Well, Bangkok. This is this. this is what it's like. It's a city that oh. we're going to be living in a city. If you've ever been to Colorado Springs versus this, I mean, you know, um, you know. You can see the, the different culture. You can see the culture there. But, you know, we've taken, this is my wife, my kids. And some, we've, we've taken different teams there in the past. This is, a, this is a, an idol here. Uh, we've served at Hope over there as well. Fast forward, fast forward. So just what is your calling? You know, we're called to die, called to go, and called to go. Brothers and sisters, you know, this is God's kingdom. You know, what are we going to say when we get to heaven? Right? God God is waiting for us. And to be honest, God is waiting for us to to die. He's excited about the day that you die. Like like he's waiting for that day that you die. Like, you know, he's he's seeing a a bus come to hit you. He goes, here it comes. (laughs) Yeah! And, 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 And the reason why God's so excited is because he's in heaven. God's in heaven with all the the Disneyland that he wants to show to you. And the Bible says that he's going to wipe away every tear from our eye that day when we get to heaven. Brothers and sisters, I love you. Thank you so much. It's good to be together. Pray for communion, okay? God, we're just grateful. Father, we know that you're in heaven, even as we're gathered here. And Father, the Bible says your eyes range throughout the earth. You're, you're looking at your disciples, and you're looking at this world. Father, it's by your grace that we're even here today. I just pray, Father, that uh, we can be grateful that when it was Jesus' time to come down to the earth, to be called to die for us, that he did not relent. Thank you so much, God. We love you. Help us to always remember what Jesus has done for us. We we'll pray this on Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.